Good morning, all. So, as Pete said, the reading is Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, through to chapter 2, verse 5. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labour, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Can you relieve us of um, all the various other distractions that uh, uh, we might have and help us to uh, think carefully about what you're saying. Uh, move our minds and move our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It may help if I turn the microphone on. <coughs> Thank you. And if you heard a cough uh, a bit earlier on, uh, you heard correctly, we are maintaining proper social distancing here in the congregation. Pete, you want to move away from Mary a bit, please? Thank you. <laughs> Good on you. Okay, well, <coughs> I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. I wonder how you felt um, when Mary read that uh, verse to you. Uh, my guess is that uh, probably we wouldn't have, most of us wouldn't have thought much about it, actually. We just sort of soak it in as being part of God's word. But when you think about it, it's not quite what we would expect um, the Apostle Paul to write. Uh, why do I say that? Well, because of what it implies, that the affliction of Christ, his suffering on the cross is in some way lacking, uh, not enough to bring us into a right relationship with God. It should be a bit jarring for us. Because the, the Bible is quite clear that Christ's death is the complete sacrifice for sins. In fact, as we saw last week, it, was, it really was the big point of what uh, Paul was saying. Uh, let me read to you from Colossians 1, if you've got Colossians open in, in your Bibles or your devices. Uh, Colossians 1 verse 19, 
uh, where Paul says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile him to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, it sounds complete, doesn't it? I mean, you know, is there anything lacking? Can you see anything lacking in, in terms of uh, what Christ has done for us? No, the sacrifice of Christ, the sacrifice of God in the flesh for sin, I mean, what more could you want? What more could God give? And so why would Paul say this? Why would he say that he fills up in his flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction? Um, throughout history, there have always been people who've taught or have implied that Christ's work on the cross is not enough. It's happening today. Um, it was happening in the early church and it was happening in Colossae. Uh, false teachers who, as we'll see next week, taught that you need Christ plus something extra. And uh, it's, we don't know the exact details of what they were saying, but it seems to have come in two forms. Firstly, that you need Christ plus a special mysterious experience of God. Uh, and or secondly, you need Christ plus religious regulations, which kind of take the fun out of life abstaining from certain foods, being harsh with your body, inflicting suffering upon yourself in order to be somehow more fully accepted by God. I mean, we'd never do that these days, would we? Well, I think Easter is, what, about three weeks away? Now, things are going to be different this year. There's not going to be crowds of people and not going to be church services necessarily that's something to think about but um you know have you ever seen the you know in in previous years the overseas uh, news footage of of men hanging themselves on crosses at easter and people carrying large crosses through crowds uh, or more commonly here people abstaining from certain foods you know only eating no red meat abstaining from, from steak and chops on Good Friday uh, in order to be more acceptable to God somehow. Now, in Colossae, the false teachers, they may have actually mixed um, self-inflicted suffering with mystical experience. You know, saying that, uh, that you, you need to cause your body to suffer uh, in order that you might enter into the special mystical experience um, that they promote. But what it boils down to is this. The suffering of Christ is not enough. So when Paul says that he fills up in his flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions, do you think he's agreeing with them? Or is there a touch of irony? Is he being sort of sarcastic uh, in what he says. Well, let's have a look firstly at what Paul says about mystery. I'm going to read uh, to you from verses 25 and 26. Uh, referring to the church, he says, and I quote, 
I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. Now, is there mystery in the Christian life? Uh, well, yes, there is. Um, but, but it's not a, a mysterious experience that you need in addition to Christ uh, based on visions or based on a, you know, a certain type of worship or mystical techniques such as depriving your body of certain good things and so on. No, Paul says, yes, there is a mystery, but guess what? The mystery has already been revealed. <laughs> uh, you see, what is the great mystery uh, which has puzzled men and women um, throughout the ages? It's the mystery of how uh, sinful people, sinful human beings, can have a relationship with a perfectly righteous God. That's the mystery. Uh, how can sin be dealt with? Oh, what, what does God do? Does he just sweep it under the carpet well not if he's perfectly righteous or, or is there something which we can do in order to blot out our sin well no the stain doesn't blot out and we're actually sinful people uh, what we need is we need forgiveness but but how is that possible it's a, it's a mystery the old testament prophets like um, isaiah and jeremiah and ezekiel and so on uh, they spoke about a time in the future when, when God would act. Uh, Isaiah in Isaiah 53 talked about a, a servant of God, uh, the servant who would be, uh, he, who would be punished, uh, he would be bruised, he would be crushed for our sins. Uh, he would be punished so that we would, uh, be, uh, uh, that we would live. Um, that he would be crushed for our sins, he would be punished so that we would have peace. And yet who is he? And what does this mean? It was a mystery even to then. In 1 Peter, Peter says that uh, what the prophets spoke about, they didn't quite understand. But, but we know the mystery has already been revealed to us. In verse 27, Paul says, To them God has made known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, the, the false teachers were saying, you've got Christ, great. <laughs> but there's also a mystery which we can help you enter into. Really, says Paul, guys, that's old news. We already know the answer to the mystery. Christ died for sin, rose again, and he now dwells in us by his Spirit. And there's no mystery about the future either because he says that Christ is in us and he is the hope of glory, that we know the future, our future as we look forward to glory. Now, that's mystery and experience all dealt with, all sorted. And it's not just for the Jews. Uh, it's for the Gentiles as well. It's for everyone the mystery has been fully disclosed. Now, I say fully because peppered throughout this passage is the language of completeness. 
Uh, for example, in chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. How much does he say? Is it 80%? 90%? How, what's, the what's the percentage of treasures that are hidden in Christ? What is it, guys? It's 100%. 100%. Everything that we need to have a full relationship with God is found in the gospel. That the Son of God should die for us. Well, that's enough. The problem is that when people say that you need Christ plus a certain diet or Christ plus going to church on a particular day and not another day or Christ plus some spiritual experience, then those who follow, follow them end up putting their faith not in Christ but in the plus. Because when we trust in those things, we're actually saying that Christ hasn't fully done the job. Which means that our trust is no longer in Jesus. And that is why Paul is so concerned. This is actually a heaven or hell issue. It's as important as that. So then, in what sense does Paul fill up in his flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions? It's tongue-in-cheek. Um, the false teachers were promoting abstinence. Uh, you see that in chapter 2, verse 21, don't you? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. You'll be close to God if you suffer by denying yourself certain good of God's good gifts. So what does Paul say about that? Well, he says, yes, they are right. There is suffering which is still lacking. But guess what? It's not suffering so that you can get right with God. It's suffering so as you can help others to get right with God. It's suffering so that you can help others in their relationship with God. Now, when Paul wrote this letter, he was not a free man. Um, he signs off uh, at the end of the letter by asking the Colossians to remember his chains. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, Paul lists uh, a whole range of uh, ways in which he had suffered in ministry. He'd been whipped, he'd been beaten, he'd been shipwrecked, he was constantly in danger he was without sleep he was without food he was cold and he was naked and he says every day every day i face the pressure of my concerns for the churches and i think it's that pressure that we see in chapter 1 verse 28 have a look at it will you chapter 1 verse 28 we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for all who have not met me personally. And why? Because in verse 28, he wants to present everyone perfect in Christ. To finish their lives, 
with their faith firmly grounded in Jesus. And in verse 4, he does not want anyone to deceive them with fine-sounding arguments. He wants them to be discerning. He wants them to be able to spot the wolf that's dressed in sheep's clothing. Which, uh, friends, that's, that's the role of every pastor, isn't it? It's the responsibility of every Christian to be helping one another in that regard. And it sounds like it wasn't too late for the Colossians to hear this. Chapter 2, verse 5. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Uh, the false teachers were stalking the church, but the church is still stable. So that in these verses, we actually get to see the kind of church that really excites the Apostle Paul. What is it about them? What is it that thrills Paul, that encourages him, that gives him so much heart? What is it? It says that their faith in Christ is firm, that their Christian life is orderly. I've been a part of this church for over 20 years now. And during that time, I've occasionally heard others say of us that our faith in Christ as a congregation is, is not enough. Uh, on one occasion, uh, one member of our church was deceived by people who persuaded her to leave our church and to join their church. Because at their church, she would be taught the proper rules and regulations about food laws, about Sabbath observance, so that she could actually go that extra step and have that full obedient relationship uh, to God. By the time I found out about it, it was too late. They'd, um, I mean, at least they weren't inside the church doing that, but they had been visiting her in her home for weeks and months um, doing Bible studies with her. On another occasion, I was told by a pastor that our church does not have the full experience of God. Uh, he said that we are not a spirit-filled church. We have the gospel, but we don't have the plus. Yet Paul is delighted that the C Colossian church is orderly. They don't run, after, run away with every new doctrine, with every fresh experience that blows into town. They're not an easy target for these false teachers because their faith in Christ is firm, which is the true mark, by the way, of being a spirit-filled church. Where we know that the only thing lacking in the affliction of Christ is the work of telling others about him, the work of declaring the gospel, the work of building others up no matter what it costs us. When Paul wrote this letter, he was in chains. He was in custody because of the gospel, gospel and probably in Rome. Uh, he could receive visitors, but, but he couldn't go outside. <laughs> he couldn't just move around in the streets. He couldn't go visiting people. 
And yet this social distancing didn't stop him from ministering to others. Now, though isolated, he struggled for them. Uh, praying for the churches, praying, being concerned for their spiritual well-being, writing difficult letters to them. Difficult letters such as Colossians and Galatians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Difficult letters while he was in chains. Friends, Sunday is my favourite day of the week. And I hope it's like that for you as well. Um, not because of the day, the day itself isn't special, but because it's the day that we meet together. It's the day that we hear God's word together. It's the day that we pray and we sing together and we connect. We connect uh, personally encouraging one another as Christians uh, and meeting together makes that easy. Uh, it won't be so easy over coming months. As we implement social distancing and even for some self-isolation for the common good, this is not a time to relax our commitment to one another, is it? This is not a time to, to drift apart. Paul was deprived of his freedom. He was in another country and he didn't have digital communication. And yet he intentionally suffered with all God's en energy to minister to others. Which is what we should be doing so that in this time of challenge, uh, we will be even more deliberate in our ministry to one another, connecting with one another, encouraging one another in the Lord Jesus and praying for one another. There's nothing lacking in Christ's afflictions except that we should lay aside our own interests, even suffering in serving him. That though we might be distanced physically, that we would actually be growing together in Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we uh, thank and praise you for the completeness of the work of Christ on the cross. And Father, we thank you for the Apostle Paul, uh, who was prepared to suffer uh, for the sake of, uh, of growing your church and building your church and bringing honour to you. Our Lord God, we pray for ourselves that uh, we would be uh, men and women and boys and girls who are have such a firm grasp, so stable in our faith, and uh, that we would understand uh, the great sacrifice that you've made for us in Jesus, and that we would be people who would be prepared to lay aside our own interests and to uh, seek uh, to minister to others and to bring honour and glory to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.